God bless you and welcome to Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church broadcast. We appreciate and welcome all of you, our listeners around the world. Stay tuned to hear an exciting word from pastor teacher, Dr. James Sutton. We're walking through Christian Fellowship Church. This is our service for today. Our city, you go ahead and pray us in so we can get started. Father God, we just want to thank you upon this morning, Father God, for waking us up in our right mind, Father God. There's so much going on out here in this world, Father God, but you keep us pressing and keep us going along the way, Father. That you all turn our minds and hearts towards you, towards the word, towards the speaker, Father God. And I ask that you bless him also and bless the ones that are, that are on their way. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on in. Come on in. Close the door. Okay. Close the door. Amen. Open your Bibles. To Romans chapter 4. When I get to this, this is the reason. We're living at a time, you know, I, I can't blame you guys. I, I can't blame you. I, I, we're living in a time where we just need to think about, I get so many informational calls and letters and emails from all over the world where we have clergy walking away from the faith. They have a large, they have a large congregation, medium-sized congregation, small congregation, and literally they're going before the congregations and walking away from the faith. They are turning their back on what they've been teaching. Some of them have renounced what they've been teaching and it's happening at an epidemic level. Pastors are being uh, exposed for the charlatans that they are and the ones who you thought were at least gonna stay with the faith no matter what are walking away. You know what? I can't blame you for walking away. You know why? Because you're not saved. You're religious. You go to church and you're not saved because you think it's about God giving you something for real. We say it. It doesn't make a difference. You want God to bless you in your material world. And you want God to continue to give you stuff, make you healthy, give you favor. And yet and still you won't obey him and get saved. And that's our problem. We have reached a point in church where that they're saved and unsaved worshiping together for two different reasons. One is coming because they love God and they want to have a relationship with the Father. The others are coming to get a blessing with their name on it. Now, why did you get saved? What was the point of you getting saved? Do you know about your salvation? We've been teaching about that all summer long. Are you saved, sanctified, full of the Holy Ghost? Or, or, or have you come to Christ because you are lacking in something of the material world that you can believe that you can get from God, whether it's money, cars, health, uh, job. Uh, it can be numerous of things. But God can give you those things, and he will give you those things. But you don't put those things above your salvation. Yeah. What did he save you from? Sin. What did he save you to? Himself. You belong to him now. And you said when you got saved that God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I will do. But you have these men of God walking away from what they've done 
all of their life. And what I find fascinating is, is that they made millions off of people and now you're going to walk away. You're not going to return your money. You're not going to take your books off the shelf. Even uh, uh, one of the most popular preachers that preached prosperity said, well, maybe I went too far with prosperity. But after you made all the millions, are you going to get your money back? No. Either we're going to trust God or not. And God is not about our feelings. I'm tired of hearing in church you feel some kind of way. If your feelings don't line up with the word of God, they are a lie. No matter how sincere you feel about it. So you spend all of your life, you should spend your life trying to get into this word to line your personality, your feelings, and everything else with the line of God, with, with God, with the word of God. But I understand that you don't because it's just not what we do. It's simply not what we do. We just sit back, go to church, sway back and forth, sing some songs, do some prayers, and we don't leave out no more enlightened than we walked in the door because we're not listening with our spirit. We're listening for the feeling. We want to be moved. We want to be saying amen. If I would ask you what was last week's sermon about, you probably couldn't tell me what scripture it came from because you're not listening. You're trying to catch a feeling. You're trying to catch a feeling. So we who are called to preach the gospel must sincerely browbeat you with the word of God, praying that you will hear God. It's not important. I'm a vessel. I'm just a voice box to which God is working through. But I'm not meant to be worshipped. I'm not meant to be idled. And I'm not meant to be adored to the point that you put me above God and your salvation. Disturbing things this week can happen. I put out a post. And I didn't think it was going to be that, that hard. I didn't think I was going to get the kickback that I did. And the post simply asked, would you elevate a minister to pastor if he plagiarized his sermons from the internet? The sad part about it is that I had brothers that are already pastors basically saying, okay, they kick you out of school, expel you from school. If you plagiarize. And you telling me the world has a higher standard than the church? Plagiarism is taking someone else's intellectual property and not giving credit to where it is due. So you want a pastor that can go on Sermon Central and buy, catch, let's say, the, the place where you could buy a book of sermons and they say, well, we got to sell. You can get 26 sermons and we'll give you the other 26 free. That's 52 weeks. And you, and you guys will accept that because you're not listening. You're not listening. I'm not saying the sermon's not good, but that's somebody else's time before God. Yeah. And when you got pastors telling me that that's what they do or insinuating that's what they do, no wonder you're in the state you're in because your pastor is not spending time before God. And that's my job. My job is to spend the time before God studying his word so I can give you the best thing that God has. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. Think about pasture. God said he leads you to green what? Pastures that you can feed on. Your job is to feed on what God has given me to teach you and then you go look it up for yourself. But I'm very pleased with the lady 
Thank God for the women of God because the women of God answered the question. While my brothers were trying to defend plagiarism, didn't answer the question, the lady said, oh God, they responded and said, I could never follow a pastor knowing that he doesn't spend time with God and all he did was say, charge it and buy a sermon. <laughs> Think how easy it would be for me to just go say, is that what we do now? We are in the world. We're not of the world. Because it's there, don't mean you should do it. Songs you listen to, you listen to them, but you're not hearing the word Jesus mentioned, and you think they're Christian songs because they're sung in church. And they're not. Some of these songs are actually very heretical and very uh, spiritually witchy-poo. Witchcraft. Yeah, witchy-poo. It appeals to your emotions and not to your spirit. So we got to get back to Bible. We do do Bible, but I'm talking to a nation of people. We have to get back to Bible. It's the Bible that has all our answers. It's the Bible to which makes your prayer strong. It's the word of God that makes your life change. It's not you thinking that you can change yourself. Because did you save yourself? Of course not. So why now that you're saved, you think you got it and made it and you're okay? Do you really think that you can study this word of God without a teacher? The Bible says, he told Timothy, I teach you to teach faithful men who teach other faithful men. That's how this is done. It's done no other way. But we got all these long ranges out here. You show up for other events, but you won't show up for Bible study. You show up when it's time for you to preach, but you won't show up for Bible study. We don't do that at Walking Truth. There will not be another preacher before you that I don't know to go to Bible study. I don't care how what they study on their own. I don't know what they're studying, and they haven't told me what they're studying. But they need to come to our Bible study so I'll know what they're feeding us. I didn't say my sheep. I said us. And part of being a walk of truth is being on time. Amen? So we that's what will happen. When I come in here, and there's only three or four people here. They're going to get the word, and then we're going to go home. Because that's all I'm supposed to do is give you the word. Mm -hmm. You want to fellowship for another 30, 40 minutes with each other? Fine. But I'm going home because I've done my job. It is a struggle for all of us to get here. Some of us come from very far. And I'm not talking about being a few minutes late. Think about it, Saints. What time is it right now? Okay, where's everybody at? They're going to come here. They're going to walk in. They're going to sit down. And we're going to be done. Okay, let's open up our Bible. So we have a situation now, and I can't blame you for leaving. And what I'm talking about this is what happens is that your feelings override your faith. It's your struggles that you go through once you come to Christ that you have to work your way through by faith. You can't feel your way through it because sometimes you don't feel the Holy Spirit acting in you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is acting through you, but acting outside of you to do things that you can't see. So it's never about, do I feel saved? You what? Are saved. It's never about, is the Holy Spirit working with me? Is, am I surrendering to what the Holy Spirit is trying to show me? It's your submission to your Holy Spirit that governs your faith. Your faith don't govern your submission. 
Because what you'll say is, God do this for me, then I'll do this for you. That deal is over. You submit because you love me. He said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. So we have a narrative of a story. And in Romans, Paul is his most magnificent, one of the most magnificent writings of Paul. Because it goes through justification, sanctification, and, and glorification. All within that great book. And around chapter 3 and verse 20, 30, he begins to go into justification by faith. He talks about the 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 the, uh, the, the, he, the, the Jews or the circumcision or were justified through faith and the Gentiles will be justified by faith. What he's telling you is their act of obedience to God justified them and our, our, act, of, our act of obedience to Jesus will justify us. Okay? They had a land promise. We have a spiritual relationship promise. We don't have the same land promise they had. Hello, this is Pastor Jay with Walk in Truth Radio Podcast and Senior Pastor of Walk in Truth Christian Fellowship Church. I want to thank you for all your prayers and support over the years. And our journey through the Bible has been an awesome time. As of late, I've been getting inquiries about coming to your church to preach and teach. And most of the inquiries, there's a concern because your church is a small church or a medium-sized church and you're concerned about honorarium. This is my policy, and this will always be my policy. As long as you pay for our travel and our lodging, and what I mean by our is not an entourage, but me and another person, then we will come to your church, and whatever you want to raise to give us for coming to teach and preach, we will accept. There's no offering that's too small or too large. I really want, to, want it to be based upon have you been fed and your heart forgiving. So don't worry about it because our slogan is we're in it for the outcome and not for the income. And that is true. That is in my heart and that's in the heart of Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church. So if you would like to invite me to come teach or preach at your church, please do so by first getting into contact with me through email w-i-t-m as in mary i-n at yahoo.com and someone will contact you and arrange to meet with you based upon my schedule or you can call 314-629-0024 and leave a message and we will get back with you as soon as possible i always want you to encourage to be blessed and be at peace and don't worry about the income, because for us, it's all about the outcome of saving souls. So this is Pastor Jay of Walk of Truth Radio Podcast. Thank you for listening all of these years, and I look forward to meeting you in person when you invite me to your church. Peace. A spiritual relationship promise. We don't have the same land promise they had, but... What we have is an example of someone just like us who was considered the, the father of faith but was actually a coward in faith. 
So you can be in a position where your fear overrides what God has promised. See, a lot of you can't experience what God has promised because you're too busy walking in your fear. The opposite of faith is fear. And when God promises something and it doesn't seem to fit what you think it should, then you go into a fear mode which doesn't negate God's promise. It just takes his, he has to get you in position to receive it. It's there for you. Let me tell you something. If God has a blessing for you, there's nothing that can stop you from getting it but yourself. You stop it from materializing in the time frame you may think because you are not ready to face the challenge. Don't you know every time there's a blessing, there's a challenge before the blessing gets manifested? Before they were able to walk into the promised land, what did they see in the promised land when they went to go spy it out? Giants. Did God tell them about the giants? No. He told them about the milk and the honey. He told them about the abundance. He told them about the blessing. Twelve went over. Two saw the blessing. Ten saw the giants. Did they all see the giants? Yes. But two focused on what God said, not what they saw. Amen. You got to get beyond. We walk by what? Faith. And we walk by faith and not by? So if we walk by faith and not by sight, you need to practice that. Now, we're not talking about walking by foolishness. We're not talking about walking around the house seven times because they did at the wall of Jericho. We're talking about true faith, living out your life as a child of God, focused on God. Worshiping God. So in Romans chapter 4, chapter 3 begins, we have the condemnation of man because their deeds were evil. We had it from 1 to 3 and 30. Paul talks about the fact that man is wicked, his heart is bad, is that he holds the truth in his unrighteousness, and this is the state of man, and God turns men who continue to act like that over to their own lusts and desires. That's why James said, when you're drawn away, you're drawn by the way of your own lusts and desires. The devil only tempts you three ways, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life, but you have to succumb to that, and then when you succumb to that, you are either going to walk away from your faith, and that's what's happened to these men of God who has been preaching the word for all these years. They stopped believing, and the question is, they probably never believed. They probably never believed. And that's where we're at. We're at a state where you need to know that your leadership believes in God. That they're not going to sell you a bunch of goods and you gonna get and they, you wake up one day and they walk away from the faith. But we have, when we stand back from the Bible, the story about Abraham, we see that there was, he's a coward and a liar. And God called him the father of of our faith. We're just like Abraham and we have to see that we're just like Abraham. When God has a promise and a blessing for you, there's going to be a challenge. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be something that goes on. All right? So we have to make our minds up right now saying, whose side you want? Are you on God's side? Are you going to follow Christ? Are you going to follow me as I follow Christ? Or are you going to go keep going on your imagination trying to fit God into your little bit of mind, which is your flesh? So we're going to study Abraham a little bit today. But we're going to start with Paul, and then we're going to go back to Genesis 
and then we'll continue from there. All right. Let's look at uh, Romans chapter four, verse twenty. Verse nineteen. I'm sorry. when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old so think about this we talked about Abraham Abraham did not consider the state he was in in his physical body because he was what a hundred years old what was promised to Abraham a son but it hadn't materialized yet he was promised at a decent age but it hadn't happened yet and if you just look at his body and look at the natural function of his body, he's saying to himself, look, God promised it. I'm not going to go on how I feel, how I look, but God promised it. He can make it happen. The challenge is all of us to look past our, our current circumstance and trust God in what he said. I have to look past what I'm going through in the physical realm so I can get to what God has promised. And the challenge for all of us is, what are we looking at before we see God? What are we looking at before we see God? Go ahead. Or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Mm -hmm. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. No unbelief made him what? Waver. No unbelief made him waver concerning what? The promise of God. The promises of God. So even in his natural state of unbelief, thinking it can't happen, he didn't waver. And that's what you got to do, Saint. I know you've got, I know it's tough for you to believe God is working on your behalf. I know God has promised some of you very specific things, but don't let the fact that you don't understand how it's going to come about stop you and make you waver. That's what happens. Things don't go how I want to go and I waver. If I waver too much and I'm not rooted and grounded in the word of God, by the blood of God, in the faith in God, I'll leave God. We got prominent people that were, were, were put up by the people and they're leaving God right now. And they don't have no problem with telling you, I don't believe in even what I was saying because it didn't turn out the way I wanted And these people are, are, are people of means because guess what? When you come to God with that thing of prosperity being just like the next guy, then when you don't get it, you'll tend to lose faith. You got some preachers that wouldn't preach to you because you're not large enough. They already know they're not going to get anything. They're not going to preach to you because they are celebrity preachers. But my question to you is, the Bible says, God, you first have to be faithful for a few things before he makes you master over many. But what if God wants to take you back down to being faithful to a few? What if God wants to humble you before he elevates you? Is it? There's somewhere in that Bible, I believe, it says, humble yourself before the mighty hand of God in due time. He will exalt you. Sometimes God got to take you back before he take you forward. But those who are not rooted and grounded in God's word and don't know that, when God takes them back, when God promised them a forward, the challenge comes, and the challenge is their ego, their pride, and it gets checked by a challenge. And they're talking about, I ain't feeling God right now. God ain't never asked you to feel him. Never asked you to do that. He never. He said, obey him. 
That's our problem. We're too busy in church trying to feel something versus trying to understand who we serve. Read. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. He grew strong in his faith. Think about this. We said, well, how did Abraham go from doubting God to growing strong in faith with the challenges that he faced? So you can go from a point of receiving a word from God about a future blessing that's going to happen. Things will be going on in your life in the natural world that seems like it's going to prevent that thing from coming to fruition. But you don't waver. Don't limit God to your lifespan. Because sometimes what God promises you will happen to your family and friends after you are gone. You're the conduit by which he works it through. And sometimes we don't understand why God brings about these challenges, even death, into our life. Really, he brings death to help you grow. Everything grows out of death. He had to die to send back the Holy Spirit. He, he, he said, I have to go. As bad as you want me to stay, I have to go. As bad as you want me to stay with you, where you can touch me, be around me, I have to go. Because unless I go, the thing you need most now is the helper, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, you will not be able to feel because the Holy Spirit is going to be working inside of you, not external. Old Testament, God worked external. He would come down on a person and he would leave. Now, for those of us who are children of the faith, he lives and dwells within us. So my goal to get you today is quit trying to feel your way through your faith. Obey your way through your faith. Quit trying to feel your way through your faith because your feelings deceive you. I feel, I feel, I feel. What did God say? I'm not saying you don't have your feelings. They're not legitimate. I'm just saying... In light of what God has promised to you, do you have to feel it or do you want to receive it? You want to receive what God said. And a lot of times when God wants to bless you, there's always a chance. As a matter of fact, I haven't had a blessing from God that I had to go through something to get there. I had to spend some time in Egypt. I had to spend some time on the backside of the desert. Everything I have, I had to spend some time in a place that didn't feel good. So God can mature me. And bless me. And therefore we can be a blessing to you. Those of us who teach. Go to Genesis. Chapter 12. And this is the story. Of Abraham. And I want to run through it. Right quick. I want to run through it right quick. Genesis chapter 12. Start at verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abraham, to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Mm -hmm. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now, he told Abraham to get up and go away from what he was comfortable in, right? right. He didn't ask Abraham how he felt about it. He didn't ask Abraham what he thought about it. He told Abraham to go. Now, let's be real. I would be in fear because I don't know this God. Because he was a, a, a pagan heathen. And two, I would wonder who, who said that. 
But anyhow, he ended up trusting what was said and took a chance. Did he know where he was going? No. But God said, if, if you go, what will I do for you? What read again? What did he say he would do for him? What was the promises? I will make. Uh, Speak up. And I will make of you a great nation. Mm -hmm. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be blessed. Mm -hmm. He will make his name great. He will make, he will make him a great nation. That's a lot to, lot to handle. I'm going to make your name great because right now you're nobody. And I'm going to make you a nation. That means there are going to be a nation of people that come from who you are. Yeah. And think about it. We know the story. It went from him to one son, Isaac. But he had to go through something to get there. Look at verse uh, 13. Now look at verse, let's look at, uh, da, 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 da. let's look at verse 10. Go ahead, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land. Uh-huh. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. Now, think about it. What came next after the, the promise? A famine. The challenge. Hunger. A famine in the land. But he kept moving. Now, you think Abraham would have walked out on faith if he had told him, when you leave, the first thing you're going to have, lack of food. No. No. Many are called, but few are chosen. If you are chosen, you're going to have some challenges. If you call yourself, you're going to walk away from the faith because the challenge is really for those who have been called. You can't go through what David went through if you were Saul. Okay? Amen. This ain't gonna happen. That's why we gotta get you guys gotta start. It's up to you from the pews to examine what you're listening to and who you're following. Are they called or are they solved? Amen. Do they labor before God when they try to study the word? Like I said last week, I was amazed at these senior pastors talking about it's all right, Venus, to plagiarize. You saw a problem. It's okay to plagiarize. We do not do that at Walking Truth. Everybody that speaks, now listen to this. New, new ministers, they get a pass. But I know one thing for sure, Venus Jackson ain't going to plagiarize. James Sutton ain't going to plagiarize. We're going to labor for God, and then we're going to check resources to see if our word lines up what's what God been saying in history. But we will never take credit for something that's not ours. Because if that's the case, the scripture that I read to you, I wouldn't give you chapter and verse. Y'all would think it's my words. And then you idolize me. But our goal in here is to point to Jesus. That's our goal in here, is get people to come to Christ through his word. He says he elevates his word above his name. So now Abraham has a choice. Read. Well, the famine was, was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to, to, to Sarah, his wife, I know that you are a beautiful, I know that you are a woman, beautiful in, in appearance. And when the, when the Egyptians see you, they, they will say, this is his wife. Now think about this. He's more concerned that they're going to see his beautiful wife and she must have been fine. She was a young woman at this time. And he said, they're going to look at you and see that you're fine. 
Okay, read on. Now check this out. We got a famine. All trust in God. Look what's about to happen. Go ahead. Then they will kill me. Mm -hmm. But they will let you live. Mm -hmm. Say you are my sister. That it may go well with me because of you. So basically he's saying, he's saying, lie. Say that you're my sister because I'm afraid. Because I'm afraid of what's going to happen to me physically. Now, I'm going to tie this in. This is on the way to where Paul said Abraham ended up. Look at the challenges he had as soon as he started trusting God. Famine, I'm hungry. Fear of being killed because of, my, because of the beauty of my wife. These are the challenges he had to face to get to become the father of faith. See, you can go through circumstances that will cause you to say some dumb things. But you eventually have to turn back to God. So would you, in this position, just reading off the surface, we look at it, we say, well, Abraham failed God. Abraham did not fail God. Abraham failed to understand fully what he had to go through to get to what God promised. A lot of us spend too much time trying to go too fast and not understanding the greater the reward, the greater the risk. That's what they tell you in investments. So when you trust God, you can expect there's going to be some issues along the way. Abraham was scared. He was scared of his physical body. And when you live in fear, you can't activate your faith. When you live in fear, you can't walk in faith. When you live in fear, you can't move in faith or think in faith. So when fear comes, what happens to our brains is... Faith becomes something that we need to feel in the moment to get us through. But God says, even though you in fear, I'm still with you because I'm Faith becomes something that we need to feel in the moment to get us through. But God says, even though you in fear, I'm still with you because I would never leave you nor forsake you. Regardless of what you feel, I'm still with you. Trust me. All right, read. And that my life may be spared for your sake. Mm -hmm. Read. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. Mm -hmm. And when the prince, when the princess of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dwelt well with Abram. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male servants, female servants, female donkeys, and camels. Now think about this. He was given a blessing by the person he gave his wife to. Now you have to think about this. If he went into Pharaoh's house, his wife probably had sex with the king. Okay? There's no reason for me to just have you come into my house. As fine as she was, and everybody talked about it, you think you just wanted to stand there? <laughs> okay? So he actually violated his wife because he was scared. Isn't that interesting? That if, if we get too fearful, no telling what we might do. We would even sell our soul if we get fearful. We get too hungry, we might give our birthright away because of fear of hunger. We have a story about that in the Bible. See, these are the things that you have to think about when you get fearful. All right, read. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. 
Now think about this. Abraham or Abram did not call down a plague to defend his wife. The Lord saw what was going on and afflicted Sarah's house. Abraham was chilling, wasn't he? Abraham, everything he wanted in the flesh. But God needed Sarah to come back to the husband to do what he promised was give breaking into the great nation. He had forgot God's promise. He thought great nation meant ducks, hogs, logs, and, and cattle, and sheep, and oxen. That's what God promised. Now I see that I'm great. That's not about being a great nation. That's about having a bunch of stuff. See, God won't do bigger than that. See, God will want to do above and beyond all you can think of asking the match through the power within you. See, he activated his faith. He activated his fear. And even with that, God had to intervene and bring plagues down on the Pharaoh. All right? Read. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you why did you say she is my sister? So mm -hmm. then I took her for, for my wife. Now then now hold on, that lets you know that lets you know that what he, he, he violated her. He said, I took her for my wife. He said, now watch this. Not only is Abraham a coward, he's a liar. Just like you. So we got hope. But the thing about it is, it was his wife, and he did not let Pharaoh know. And Pharaoh getting slapped, and he don't know why he getting slapped. So God had to intervene to Pharaoh and say, look, Pharaoh, in a dream probably, that ain't your wife. You get rid of her. Send her back. The reason why I'm sending plagues on you is because you got a relationship illegally with her. But it's not your fault. It's his fault. How many people in your life are going through something because they're attached to you and you ain't doing right. Mm -hmm. Don't even ask that question. <laughs> go ahead. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. Take her and get out of here. <laughs> Take her and get out of here. Sometimes you just got to say, cut your loss and say, go. Get away from me. <laughs> I gave you all that stuff. You can have it. This story starts there. He gave them slaves and everything. Just go. I got to take a loss. So my, think about this. I got to take a loss so I can get my life right. So many times. That's what I'm saying. That's the challenge. Are you willing to take a loss to get your life right? Are you willing to give up some of the material things and some of the intellectual things and some of the things that you want to feel and want through your flesh so you can get your life right? But we all become afraid. In 1 Kings chapter 19, we have a story of Ahab and Jezebel. And we had in 18 and 17, we have the great Elijah going up against the, 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 the prophets of all. And, and in, the, in that, he does, he slays them all, he torments them. God comes down and shows his presence, and he's there. Then all of a sudden, he's confronted with what Jezebel's response is to killing her prophet. She says she's going to kill him. And guess what? He becomes afraid. 
How is it that I can have such an experience with God and end up afraid? Because we quickly get into our feelings of what God should do next. And when it doesn't match the victory that we had yesterday and it's a challenge for today, we become afraid because we get into our feelings and not walk in our faith. Let's start at verse 1, 19, 1. Ahab. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your, your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow, then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Bathsheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. So as soon as he was given the message of the challenge of the day, he'd already conquered. Now think about this. If it didn't go down at Mount Carmel like it was supposed to, they would have killed him, right? Mm -hmm. But it went down as God had promised it would go down, and he defeated them. And he killed them. And now one woman, one queen, goes and tells him that what you did to mine, I'm going to do to you. And guess what I swear by? And you're going to be afraid. How does that equate? Because our memory and respect for what God has done wavers. Because what we want him to do is continue to blow our mind. It's the subtlety of God working with you through the power of the Holy Spirit that we live our lives. We don't live our life from miracle to miracle. We live our life in between miracles. And there's challenges for those who are called to carry God's word that the people who are not called will never experience. Because you are called, there's a bull's, bull, bullseye on your back. And you can't lift it because God put it there. So many times God's men ran away from the challenge and God just followed them. How, how do you think you're going to run away from God? He tried to do it. Who else tried to run away from God? Jonah tried to run away from God. How, how did that work out? Because he felt some kind of way that the people didn't deserve to be saved, so God had to chastise him. Don't you know when you run away from what God has for you, you'll become chastised? Okay? But we get afraid. But we shouldn't live. The Bible says God didn't give us a spirit of fear. So where does fear come from? Us. Because we don't believe in what God says. And not only do we not believe... We don't trust. We don't have the faith of Abraham that even though in doubt, which you read in Romans, that even in doubt, there's a level of faith that you should have that says, I might not see it, I might not feel it, I might not know it, but I'm going to trust what God said. We have to get to that point, saints. That's called maturing in Christ. We go through a lot. Yeah, we don't like it. We, I'm not saying you walk around here with a Cheshire cat smile on your face, but what I'm saying to you is weigh what you're going in through to what God is trying to show you in what you're going through. Because God puts you through these things to be utilized by him for others that will go through things that you go through. So when you can say, I understand how you feel. I felt the same way until I found out. That's the point of enlightenment because what you say, what you're about to tell them is, 
In spite of what you're going through, I found a way to deal with it, get past it, and be delivered from it. And that's where we're at, saints. We have to get to the point whereas we are just like Abraham. Yes, we lied. Yes, we got scared. Yes, we're just like uh, Elijah. We have done something great, and God brings that next challenge on us that we believe is going to hurt and harm our physical body, but we have to trust God. But we got it better than they do. They had to trust a God that they really didn't know. They had to trust a God that basically had freed them from Egypt. If you go to Judges, you don't have to go there. Judges chapter 6, it talks about Gideon. God had explained to Gideon that I am your God. Don't be afraid of the God of the Midianites because I'm your God that delivered you where from where? Egypt. God always takes them back to Egypt. I delivered you from Egypt. So why are you in fear? Don't you remember? And that's interesting to me. We have real short-term memory when it comes to God. But let me step on your toe. You'll be telling everybody. Pastor stepped on my toe with his big self. You know, you tell everybody. And it's just sad. Because God has promised us a thing. And I'm trying to get you, get you to visualize that when God promises there's going to be a challenge. And when the challenge comes, you're going to stand on God's word because God can't lie. I'm not going to go about what I feel. I'm not going to go about what I see. I'm going to go about what God promised. But there's one thing that's more important than the superficial things of land and being a great nation. God promised you something. Let's go to Mark 4 and 40. See, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. Even the disciples were afraid. The wind is blowing, the storm is going. And this is what he said. I'm going to say this. He said, he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? I'm saying to you, the storm is blowing. You're going through stuff. Why are you still afraid? Shouldn't by now you have enough faith to understand that you will weather the storm and even if the storm consumes you, you're going to be okay? Because even if it takes your life, you're going to be in the hands of God. That's why you should not fear death. He took the thing of death away. Death, unsaved, separates you from God forever. Death, saved, puts you in the bosom of Abraham, puts you with God, and all you're doing is waiting for your resurrected body, your glorified body. But just like the disciples, because we go through stuff, we get scared. Because of Jesus was asleep. See, listen, think about it. God was asleep. He wasn't asleep. Jesus was asleep. Y'all catch that. God wasn't asleep. Jesus was asleep. What was asleep was his flesh. But God wasn't one controlling the storm. Don't you know God controls the storms in your life while you sleep? Have you ever had something happen to you bad on Thursday and somehow or another you don't know how it's going to get done and Friday you get that call and everything is worked out? Yeah. God worked it out while you were asleep. Yeah. God does blessings and see, that's why you got to be thankful for small things. I was in the butcher store the other day. We buying stuff for the dog and next thing you know, um, we didn't get everything and we wanted one more thing and the lady just gave it to us for free. Amen. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Being nice, being kind, 
You don't know how much you will be blessed by being nice and being kind. At, uh, 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 interacting, acting, and, and, and acting on your faith instead of reacting to the world. See, they were reacting to what they saw. You see a storm. You felt a storm. They was in the boat, rocking back and forth. They were worried about perishing. Think about it. They were worried about perishing. Abraham was worried about perishing. Gideon was worried about perishing. And all those who worry about perishing negate their faith. Because you can't activate your faith from fear. But you got to press on. So when God comes into your life, when he decides to come to you, when he decides to deal with you, you are in a position to activate your faith. Your challenge is to activate your faith. The challenge is, in the midst of your storm, activate your faith. Well, I'll tell you this. Instead of waiting till you get to the storm, activate your faith when you come out of the storm and wait for the next one. Because you become stronger. Did he say Abraham became stronger? Because he didn't let what he went through stop him from following what God told him to do. Even though he went through problems, even though he didn't measure up, you were still supposed to follow and keep walking by faith. Jesus promised us something. Go to John 14 and 16. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask, now check this out, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And if you obey me, I'll go to the Father on your behalf and he's going to give you something else. He's going to give you another helper to be with you forever. How long is forever? So those of us who are in Christ Jesus, Jesus, our Savior, is sitting on the right-hand side of God, and he sent back the Holy Spirit. Did he send back the Holy Spirit to work outside of us or inside of us? And you are correct. He sent the Holy Spirit to act to work inside of us, not outside of us. So we don't react to what's going on the outside because the outside is where the storm is. We react, we, we, we deal with each other from what's inside of us. We don't react, we act, we don't react, we submit. So even though those things may be happening to us, we carry the faith of Abraham. And still move forward in faith so we can have great nations come out of us. But even more, what did God do send back? He saved you to send back a helper to help you walk out this thing through life that you should never ever fail. You may fall, but you won't fail. That's why you don't walk away from the faith. Because you're being taught, I may fall, I may slip. But Galatians 6 and 1 says, restore such a one who has fallen. And be careful that you don't be tempted to go the same way by falling into the sin that you are helping them get over. And the only way you can do that is the power of the Holy Spirit. But you have to know something. We just said the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. 1 Corinthians 6 and 10 tells us that. 1 Corinthians 6 and 10 says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that God has sent the Holy Spirit to live within you and move within you and act within you and it's not based upon what you feel at any given moment? 
The promises of God are not negated by your unfaithfulness. The promises of God are faithful. He is faithful. Even in Romans where it said, it got to a point where Paul was arguing both sides of the fence about the justification of faith. He said, what if some are unfaithful? Does that change the faithfulness of God? He said, God forbid. Your unfaithfulness into what God has done for you through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells with you does not change what he's going to promise. Because the Bible tells us that he promised to deliver us and that whatever work he starts, he's going to complete. You are his workmanship. You are the clay on the wheel. So if you realize that and intellectualize that and understand that, then your fear should be less and less as you become more mature in faith. You walk by faith and not by sight, not by what happens in front of you, but what's happening to you through submitting to the power of the Holy Spirit. The men and women that are walking away from God right now, I pray for them. They're challenged. But at some point alone, they began to follow a God that's not of the Bible. At some point in time, they began to listen to external things and listen to outside sources to tell us about the God we serve. God is not your cosmic candy man or your believable bellhop that his whole motive is to do what you want. You belong to him. And when you came to Christ, what you signed up for is, you're my king, you're my lord, do with me as you will. It has nothing to do with my, my creature comfort. But some of you didn't sign up for that. And that's why you walked away. Some of you didn't believe that. That's why you, did, that's why you, you walk away in apostasy. The Bible says that your apostate, the definition of apostasy, is that you know the truth. But you decide to reject what you know. In Romans 1 and 2, it talks about the fact that, that they hide the truth in their unrighteousness. Don't be like that. Don't hide the truth in your unrighteousness. Don't get caught up in the, what God has given you that you missed the God that gave it to you. Because then you have a chance on slipping when God decides he wants to take you in another direction and you're not ready to move because you got caught so, got so called, caught up in what he's giving you and what you could touch and feel he's giving you and you miss the God that wants to take you in another direction. God wants to take some of us in different directions. He's calling you to one place one minute then he said, okay, I want to move you to another place. Not physically, all the time. Talk to him spiritually. He wants to move you into maturity. We go from being baby saints to adolescent saints to hopefully mature saints. But we know for a fact that everybody that's of age is not a mature saint. Linear time, chronological time in age doesn't mean maturity. Because God says some of you ought to be teachers by now. But I have to reteach you the oracles of God because you're still on milk. So we're going to have saints who are saved that are 80, 90, 160 years old that will go to heaven in pumpkin seeds because they didn't take this opportunity to mature in Christ. A lot of them live by fear and they're your family members. When you talk to them, they are afraid of accepting the responsibility that comes with being a Christian. God has saved you. He's in you. You're his temple. Your job is to submit to the word. The rest of it you work out on your own. The rest of it you work out coming to Bible study. The rest of it you work out by praying. But your prayer is only as good as you know God's word. Your prayer is only as good as you know God's word. But Because you, you can't pray to God effectively 
without knowing something about the character of God through his word. You can't have a relationship with Jesus without his word. That's why the Bible says these things are written aforetime for our learning, that through endurance and encouragement, we will have hope in the scriptures. You only endure when you in God's word. I can do what I do, come like I come, dedicate my life, be a, 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 a discipline in this thing because I understand the calling of God on my life to do his work. Some of you are called to certain ministries, but it's going to take discipline to do so. Some of you are called to do great things in ministry, but you're going to have to go through something to get there. Some of you are called just to show up for church and become mature saints so you can go witness. We all supposed to be witnesses. Not for ourselves, but for God, for Jesus. So I encourage you to look at Abraham, the father of faith. He's just like us. Look at Elijah. He's just like us. Look at Gideon, doubting, scared, just like us. And every time God has shown us that he doesn't need numbers, he needs faithful few. He always works with a remnant, not with the majority. So as these men and women walk away from God, as you have friends who walk away from God, as you have people who walk away from God, I'm asking you to hold fast. Stay rooted and grounded in the word of God. And realize just because you fall, you haven't failed. That you can get up Repentance. Don't you know that the goodness of God, Romans 2 and 4, should lead you to repentance? And before that, it talks about the forbearance of God. God is so good that he has winked at being your ignorance in past times. The saints, it's time to mature and to grow up. It's time to grow up. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word and your people. Lord, we're just like Abraham. We do move in fear, but Lord, we submit to the Holy Spirit within us to teach us how to walk by faith. Lord, you said we must learn to do good and let us learn through your word. Let us be kind and gentle to one another that we may go tell people about this Jesus that we serve. Let us waver not to the left or to the right or be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But let us focus on the sanctity and the sovereignty of your word. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.